Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning and the sermon text comes from the Gospel of John. It's the 11th chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 45. So again, this is the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 45. It says, Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. Well, sisters and brothers, over the past three weeks, you and I have been talking about stories in the Gospel of John that pay particular attention to certain individuals and their encounters with Jesus. We've been discussing the stories of a smart man, a thirsty woman, a blind beggar, and today a grieving sister. Four different people in four different situations. Four people changed by their encounter with Jesus. And as we have been saying throughout this month of March, while they may have lived in times and places far different from ours, we have much in common with them. We are smart, but not nearly as smart as we may think we are. So like he did with Nicodemus, Jesus teaches us. You might remember we talked about the smartest thing that Nicodemus ever did was to stop talking and start listening to Jesus. We are thirsty, longing for something that will satisfy us. And Jesus, like he did with the Samaritan woman, gives us living water. You may remember we had a homework assignment of three questions. What do you thirst after? What do you do to satisfy that thirst? What is the object of your worship? 
We have blind spots, which keep us from fully seeing God, fully seeing ourselves, and fully seeing others. We talked about last week that just as he did for the beggar born blind, Jesus opens our eyes. Through eyes opened by faith in Jesus, we see that while we are all sinners in need of forgiveness, thanks be to God that those that come to him with honest and contrite hearts find themselves to be the forgiven and beloved children of God. And that from that position, as his beloved children, we are called to go out and serve the lost, the least, and the last in our community. And now this week, we are invited to walk alongside a grieving sister. The connection for us this morning should be easy, friends, because it seems that simply living in this world gives us multiple occasions to grieve, doesn't it? Grief in our lives comes in a variety of forms and from a variety of sources. Grief may be found in broken relationships. Things were fine between me and this other person until the incident happened. Grief may come in looking around and seeing that society has changed oftentimes in the wrong direction, we feel, and we mourn the loss of what we used to take for granted. Grief may come when families and churches and communities turn against one another. Unfortunately, it seems that sometimes those closest to us cause us the most pain. And behind all the reasons to grieve lurks something that leaves none of us unaffected. I'm speaking, of course, of the great equalizer known as death. Death shows up all around us as relationships die, communities die, dreams die. But the most dreadful of all is literal. Our loved ones die and the finality of death causes a grief that we sometimes think cannot be undone. This was the cause of grief from what we read in John chapter 11. The grieving sisters mourn the death of their brother. As we began our reading this morning, we find out that Lazarus has become ill, seriously ill, close to death kind of ill. And so Mary and Martha did what they thought would be best. They sent for Jesus. They knew that he could help. He had already healed a number of people in miraculous ways. Come quickly, Lord. Our brother, the one you love, is very sick. Jesus got the message. He learned of his friend's condition. But Jesus did not come. He waited. And as he waited, Lazarus died. Four days later, Jesus shows up. He came to Martha and Mary while their grief was still raw. And both of them, Martha in verse 21 and Mary in verse 32, met Jesus with the same words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Does that sound familiar to any of you? You've asked God for help. You know he had the ability to provide, but no help came. You have asked God for healing. You know that he can heal with only a word, but the sickness got worse. 
You have asked God for reconciliation and unity both in the church and in the world and maybe in your family, but strife and divisions only deep. You have begged God for help only to be disappointed, only to find another reason to grieve. Lord, if you would have provided healing, my friend would still be here. Lord, if you had answered my prayers, my marriage could have been saved. Lord, if you had done what I asked you to do, what I needed you to do, what I begged you to do, I would not be filled with such grief. Now, notice Jesus' response to Martha. He did not apologize to her. He did not admit that he was wrong. He did not make excuses for his delay. Instead, he spoke to her and her sister a word of promise. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Then before demonstrating his authority over death, Jesus joined them. He joined these sisters in their grief. He saw Mary crying, and he saw the people with her crying, and he was deeply moved. The only one who can do something about our grief is familiar with grief himself. Jesus' display of emotion in this text reminds us that grief is only possible for those who lose something or someone beloved. Friends, we grieve because... We love. And the same is true of Jesus. He wept with these sisters because he loved them. He hurt for them because he cared for them. He knows what it means to lose a loved one, and he has compassion on those who have tasted the pain of loss. That is a comforting thought to anyone who grieves. But friends, God does much more than just sit with us in our grief. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And it begins Holy Week. And on that day we will walk into Jerusalem with Jesus waving our palm branches. Then later that week we will walk with Jesus to the upper room. And then we will follow Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane and witness his betrayal. And then we will make our way to Pilate's judgment seat. And we will listen to the demands of the mob. And we will together witness Jesus carrying his cross outside the city. And then we will stand at the place of the skull and we will watch as Jesus takes his final breath. And how will we respond? We will grieve. But friends, that's not all we do. Because that's not the end. After we grieve, we rejoice, don't we? We find hope, don't we? I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. The tomb cannot hold Lazarus. The tomb cannot hold Jesus. And the tomb, friends, cannot hold us. Not you, not me, not our loved ones who died in the faith, not the people who have yet to hear and believe in Christ Jesus as Lord. 
The stubborn persistence of grief remains, friends, even after Easter Sunday. That is just a reality of a world. But friends, we don't grieve alone. And we don't grieve without hope. We grieve together as the people of God. We grieve with the promise of Jesus in our hearts and on our lips. As we grieve, we continue to come before our risen Lord in prayer, not to force His hand, but to confess our faith in His promise. I am the resurrection and the life. He says again, to you and through you, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Hope, friends. Hope in the midst of grief. That's what Jesus promised. Not that there won't be times of grief, but that when they come, we must stay focused on him and on his promises of strength, peace, hope. My friends this morning, who or what are you grieving? Know that Jesus is right there with you weeping with you, and yet also providing the hope that only He can give. Do we trust Him? Do we believe Him? Which brings us to the events of this past Thursday. As many of you know, we had our church conference on the issue of disaffiliation, and the motion failed by one vote. And I made mention in one of my emails to you about my grieving it. But I want to make something clear this morning. Friends, I don't grieve the result. I don't grieve the result. I think the result is where God wants this church at this moment. For the past eight months, every time I've prayed about it, I've prayed and I've asked you to pray for God's will to be done. God's will is that we stay in the United Methodist Church. For what purpose? You and I get to figure that out together. What I grieve is the fact that we had to come to this place at all. What I grieve is that the vote simply highlighted the divisions in our pew. What I grieve is how political it was and continues to be for some members of our congregation. I grieve that faith and hope has given way to fear and anger. And friends, I grieve that some are influenced by bishops they will never meet, clergy they will never know, in districts and conferences in which they do not reside, instead of their local church and the preaching and teaching that goes on each and every week. Or should I say grieved in the past tense? Because friends, I'm done grieving. I'm done weeping. I hear Jesus' words, I am the resurrection and the life, and I have hope. 
And friends, some of that hope has come from texts and emails and calls from many of you in this room. Encouraging me and supporting me and telling me you intend to remain faithful to God, which is the most important, but also faithful to this church. I also chuckled a bit for those that dropped in on Friday to say, listen, I'm going to be out of town on Sunday. (laughs) But I plan on staying in this church. And I can't help but think of Psalm 30, verses 4 through 5, friends. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And this morning, friends, I have joy. Joy because I get to worship with each and every one of you. Joy because you and I now have a chance to show our community what the body of Christ can do even after a tense time together. Joy because we can be an example of reconciliation and unity. Joy because we have the opportunity to grow with one another and listen to one another and learn from one another. To strengthen one another and straighten one another. To truly be brothers and sisters united not by politics, because friends, that ain't never going to happen, but united by our faith in Jesus. And the fact that he gathers all of us at the foot of that cross, beckoning us to come to him and cast our worries and cares upon him, to repent of our sins before him, to receive forgiveness from him, and then to go out of these doors in service to his name. Or in other words, all the things we've been talking about doing and doing since July 4th, 2021. That was my first Sunday here. And friends, if you are willing to come alongside me then, there is no reason for you to stop now. My study Bible says this about our passage. The more deeply we know and walk with Jesus the more readily we accept God's glory as our greatest good, even when it feels like such a momentary bad. As the resurrection and the life, Jesus is always writing better stories than we could ever pen. Let me say that again. As the resurrection and the life, Jesus is always writing better stories than we could ever pen. Mary and Martha would soon find this to be true. My friends, I am excited about the story that Jesus is going to write about this church moving forward. With our eyes on him, continuing to study and follow his word, continually engaging in prayer for and with one another, continuing to seek to be an impactful presence in our community. Friends, the story that Jesus is going to write about this church is going to be better than anything we could possibly imagine. So yeah, I'm done weeping. And I'm excited to keep working. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.